Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We are uh, now uh, four weeks into um, this sermon series on the office of elder and deacon. Um, we're in the middle of, of nominating uh, men to serve as our first elders, first deacons at uh, Grace Covenant Church. Uh, we've so far um, looked at what an elder is, uh, what an elder does, and then last week we looked at the office of deacon. Um, what I want to do this week and next Sunday, Lord willing, is to basically essentially ask the question, what's the function of these two offices? Why do we have them? Uh, what are they for? Uh, what's the purpose? What purpose do the office of elder and deacon serve? That's, a, in essence, uh, what I intend uh, to ask today and uh, next Sunday. Uh, it's our practice to stand when we read God's Word. We're going to read verses 1 through 21. Uh, if you are able, uh, please stand together. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired as a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Uh, we pray, O Holy Spirit, we need your help. Uh, our ears remain stopped, our minds closed off, our hearts hard and unwilling. 
our eyes blind unless you are at work. And so we pray that you would unstop our ears, open our eyes to see, our minds to understand, and our hearts to be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So to be to be completely honest with you, I don't have tons of experience with sheep. Some of you we have folks that have sheep and goats and are around that all the time. Back when Nancy and I were dating, she had this um, family at their church. Actually, the um, her, her little kids were flower girl and ring bearer in our wedding. Uh, but they had this family in their church that had a couple of sheep. They had two sheep. They had a chocolate lab named Olive. Um, I feel like there was a, a rabbit cage, and I can't remember that right now in, in the back of my mind. Um, and and we would we would go hang out with them some. They were kind of a cool family, and they had sheep and a chocolate lab named Olive. And so I would go, and I don't remember the sheep names. I don't remember what they called. But they were in this little fenced-in area in their yard. And you know how it is. I could say Olive's name. And she'd run up to me. She'd bring me a toy. I could throw a ball with her. She would play. Olive loved me. I love labs. I love dogs like that. So, and Olive understood. Olive and I were tight. The sheep, I could never get them to do anything. I'd try to pet them. I'd try to reach over. I'd try to reach. They'd go in their little hut thing and pretend I didn't exist. It's sort of like children. If I can't see you, you can't see me. And so, therefore, you're not really there. They would go in their little hut. And I never, I'm not sure I ever touched either one of those sheep. In some ways, this passage tells me why. They didn't know me. Olive didn't care. Olive's a lab and anybody that'll throw a ball, she'll play with anybody that'll throw a ball. But the sheep didn't know who I was. They didn't really care. And so they they ran from me rather than obeying my voice and, and hearing me and coming bounding up to me, dying to see me, excited I'm there. You're home. No, it was, let's run the other way. I don't know who that guy is. I wasn't their shepherd. I wasn't their owner. I wasn't the, the voice that they knew. I wasn't the one that had the relationship with them, uh, that cared for them, that made sure they were you know, well-fed and protected and all of those sorts of things. That's what a shepherd should do. Those are the exact things that a shepherd should do for the sheep, especially a good shepherd. And notice that's exactly what Christ says in this chapter He does for His sheep. First, Christ calls our attention to the bad sheep. And I, I kind of hate false sheep. The shep- I mean, the bad shepherds or the false shepherds. The ones who aren't really the right shepherd. In the context, and we don't have time to, to read all this, this is where the book of Acts encourages you. Paul encourages his, his listeners in Berea. You know, what I love about you Bereans is you don't just take what I say 
as the truth. You actually examine Scripture to make sure what I'm saying is true and right. So this is where you, this afternoon, this is a great way to spend your Lord's Day afternoon. You can, you can take a few minutes and sort of examine the, the broader context of John chapter uh, 9 and 10. But in chapter 9, and the, the impact it has on chapter 10, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, the Jewish leaders, they're the false shepherds. They're the ones that Jesus is essentially describing as, as thieves and, and robbers in chapter 10. They're the hired hand of, of verses 12 and 13. In, in fact, I guess there's no such thing as a false shepherd. A false shepherd is, a, is, an, is an oxymoron. You're, you're either a shepherd or you're not. And if you're a false one, then you're certainly not the shepherd. You're the hired hand. And so I guess uh, my outline is, is flawed there. We'll have to fix that another day. But Jesus is, is saying to the Pharisees that you've made efforts to get into your position of authority by means that aren't really shepherding means. They're not really for the good of the flock. They're for your own good. You're seeking your own glory, your own safety, your own protection. You're the, the, the true shepherd doesn't have to sneak into the fold. The true shepherd doesn't have to sneak into the flock. He can go in by the door because everyone knows who he is. You are, the, are thieves and robbers and hired hands and those who are looking out for your own interest. And in John 9, we, we see the, the connection, why the Pharisees are accused of this, this sort of usurping role, this effort to, to be the shepherd, to be the leaders, but to do so by false or faulty means. Jesus and the disciples saw a man who had been born blind in, in chapter 9, and, and it was on the Sabbath day, and Jesus healed him. And of course, the Pharisees got into an uproar about you can't do work on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to heal people on the Sabbath day. That was their argument, their, their complaint against um, Jesus. And, and so they threw this man out of the synagogue. They said, you can't come you're, you can't be here. And so part of the point in the context is the Pharisees are more committed to the law than they are to grace. They're more committed to Moses than they are to Jesus. That they would look Jesus in the eye and say, you healed on the Sabbath. That's wrong. So you have to leave. You can't be here. Y'all all have to get out of the synagogue. And Jesus is reminding the Pharisees of, for that matter, of Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, the descendants of David, the kings uh, of, that come after David, uh, they failed to shepherd the people of Israel properly. And there, in that context, God announces, there's coming a day when a true shepherd will come. And lead his people and care for the flock the way the kings after David should have. 
So the reality is the Pharisees would make that connection in John 10. They would, they would hear, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is, he's talking about a true shepherd. We've heard about that. We've read about that. We have Ezekiel 34 memorized. We know exactly what he's talking about here. The Pharisees are being compared to the horrible kings, the descendants of David who had failed in loving and leading and caring for Israel throughout the centuries. Thieves and robbers come into the pen by climbing walls. They break through windows. They kind of hop from shrub to shrub, uh, trying not to be noticed until they can hop into the pen by some other way. You can almost picture these robbers sort of bouncing around outside the pen trying to hide, trying not to be noticed like a bunch of teenagers out to roll somebody's yard in the middle of the night, trying to sneak out and not be seen. These thieves and robbers are are bouncing from shadow to shadow, trying to get into the pen. But then the, the comparison also, verse 12, not just to thieves and robbers, but to hired hand. Again, a hired hand sees the danger, verses 12 and 13, and, and runs away because he only cares about himself. He cares about his own safety, his own protection, his own good. He doesn't care about the flock. As soon as the wolf shows up, as soon as the danger approaches, he runs away to take care of himself, to protect himself. The hired hand finds it more prudent to save his own life than to actually protect this group of dumb animals. The reality is that caring for sheep can be dangerous to the shepherd. And when caring for sheep becomes more dangerous than safe, the hired hand runs away seems he's only in it for the money. He's in it for the prestige. He's in it for his own good, his own interests. So Jesus reminds us in John 10 of the false shepherds, the bad shepherds. And then then he tells us about the good shepherd. Notice, what do you expect from a good shepherd? Look at verse 4. In verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. Or look down at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, verse 16. Um, I have other sheep that are not of this soul. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. In other words, you get the sense that the shepherd, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. He knows who they are. He knows them. And in this context... There's a general knowledge. He knows which ones belong. Which ones actually belong to Him. Which ones are under His care and His uh, observation, His protection. Which ones are He... Which ones exactly is He responsible for? He can't be a good shepherd if He doesn't know who His sheep are. And so, in the context, there's a, a general knowledge of the shepherd, of the sheep... But there's also a specific knowledge. Notice in verse 3 what Jesus says about this shepherd. To him the gatekeeper opens 
the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes into the pen in the morning. There, there several flocks would be uh, kept in one pen together. And he opens the door and he calls his sheep by name. And they come out and follow him out. And the ones that aren't his, they stay behind. So he knows them generally, but he also knows them specifically. By the way, isn't that the real danger in Matthew 25? In Matthew 25, you've got um, Jesus talking about judgment and separating the sheep and the goats. And, and He says, you know, look, you've done these things for Me. You, the sheep over here, the goats over here, and you come into My presence. Why? Because you've done all these things. And they said, when did we do that? And, they said, when, and Jesus said, well, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it to Me. And He looks at the goats, and the goats say, but we did all those things. Do you remember Jesus' answer? Depart from me. I never knew you. The, the real danger at judgment is not being known by the shepherd. is not being known by Christ. So the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them generally. He knows them specifically. But he also leads his sheep because you see in verse 3, you know there are two ways to get sheep to go where you want them to go. You can get out in front of them and talk and sing and they follow your voice. Or you can get behind them and drive them there, force them there, beat, whip, poke, prod, make sure they don't get out of line. Well, the, the picture in John 10 is of a shepherd who leads them out of the pen. He calls them by name. They come to him and he goes out in front of them. Surely Psalm 23, which we, by the way, could he very easily have used as an Old Testament reading today. We sang it just a couple of weeks ago, so I hesitated to bring it back in again. But Psalm 23 is all about, David writes about, about God as his shepherd, about Christ as his shepherd who leads him beside quiet waters where he can get drink. He can, leads him out to green pastures where he can find food. The picture here is of a shepherd who's out in front and leading his people where they ought to go, where leading the sheep where they need to be. And a shepherd that provides for them, gives them food and drink and safety and protection. In fact, in Psalm 23, we read, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, used for guidance as well as Protection, keeping a sheep from wandering off into some stray, dangerous place, but also to beat back a wolf or anything that might come to attack. There's one thing, though, that strikes me as odd in this passage. There's something that I think stands out in John 10 as not exactly fitting my logic of a shepherd. See, in my mind, if the shepherd gets killed, the sheep are in grave danger. If the shepherd's job is to lead them to food, to lead them to water, and to provide safety and protection to them, 
then if the shepherd's gone, then the sheep seem most vulnerable. You see this in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you've watched the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie, it's um, sort of vividly portrayed for you. The white witch kills Aslan up on the stone table. And convinced that Aslan, the great lion, is now dead. Where does she go? What, what do her minions do? They run for the camp of Peter and Edmund and Susan and Lucy and all the talking beasts of Narnia. With Aslan out of the picture, these people are now in trouble. With Aslan dead and lying here bleeding on the stone table, then his people are vulnerable and in greatest danger. But what does Jesus say? that He's going to do for His people. He says, I'm actually going to lay down my life for the sheep. Look at verse 11. I'm the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. We read it again uh, in verse 17. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I'm actually giving it up. I'm laying it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it back up again. In fact, there's a, a connection. Jesus says, it's actually in my death that I accomplish this life that, they want, that I want them to have abundantly. I come, that they may have verse 10, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And right on the heels of that, He promises His own death. What makes Jesus the Good Shepherd? It's that He died for His sheep. It's that He took the punishment, the danger that we are in because of our sin and bore it on Himself so that we might be free. Jesus doesn't come to be a, a, an example or a good moral teacher or uh, anything like that. He comes to be our substitute. He comes to bleed and suffer and die for us. To take the danger that our sin requires on Himself. And the beauty is, the picture in verse 16, He's talking about us. There are other sheep that are not of this fold and I'm going to go get them and they're going to hear my voice and they are going to be brought in and they're going to become one flock. He's talking about Gentiles. He's looking ahead to the day when the Gospel leaves the Jews and goes to the Gentiles and they're grafted in and become one flock to make the church as we know it. The reality is that the beauty of the Gospel is that Christ died so that we don't have to. We may die physically. We may face the first death to use the, the language of, of Revelation. Christ's death saves us from the second death. Eternal punishment in hell. He delivers us from that. Yes, our bodies might die. We may actually have a, a funeral service for 
people in this room, perhaps even for everyone in this room before Christ returns. But He delivers us from spiritual death, from the second death. Jesus proves that He's the Good Shepherd by making Himself the sacrificial Lamb. He becomes the Lamb in order to be the Good Shepherd. We see false shepherds. We see the Good Shepherd. But we also get a glimpse, a little foretaste of temporary and temporal shepherds. Just briefly, I want you to notice Jesus anticipates a time when the, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, isn't actually on the earth with his sheep physically. That's where you and I are now. Jesus, we, we've not too long ago uh, preached through the Apostles' Creed and there's a phrase in there, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Christ isn't physically on the earth today. The, the image here in John 10 is sort of the nighttime, the overnight time between the shepherd being with the sheep and then uh, going away, as it were. And in that time, the good shepherd doesn't leave us alone. He leaves us the Holy Spirit. He leaves us a, a temporary shepherd, as it were. He leaves us one in John 14. Jesus promises to, to send us the Holy Spirit to be our guide, our helper, our protector, our counselor while He is away. He's placed us under the, the watchful care of the Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit's job? To shine the spotlight on Christ. To make much of Jesus. Not to call attention to Himself, but to call attention to the true Good Shepherd. In some ways, in, in verse 3, the Holy Spirit sort of serves as the gatekeeper to this fold. But there are also temporary shepherds, temporary temporal earthly shepherds as it were. Because in verse 8, there are people that came before who are thieves and robbers. The sheep didn't listen to them. He's referring to the Pharisees. He's not referring to people like Moses and Abraham and David and Isaiah and John the Baptist. They weren't thieves. They were merely temporary shepherds who were to point to the true shepherd. Or look again at verses 1 and 2. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. In fact, Jesus says later, I am the door. All who come in through Christ to serve as temporary, temporal shepherds for the sheep, are rightful shepherds. That's what makes these temporal, temporary shepherds legitimate. They come in not climbing over a fence, not through some secret way, but they come in through the door who is Christ. 
the point is that there are actually earthly men who are put into the position of shepherding the church, shepherding the flock of Christ, and they gained that role legitimately through Christ and through Him alone. So as you think about men you would nominate to serve as elder, nominate and elect men who are about the business business of establishing a kingdom for Christ and not for themselves. I told you my intention today and next Sunday, Lord willing, is to sort of answer the question, what purpose do the office of elder and deacon serve in today's world? What, what purpose do they serve? John 10 tells us that the role of elder is to model Christ as the shepherd of His flock, of His church. It represents the, the teaching, shepherding, caring, defending role of Christ to His people. Let me make a couple of applications from this passage. First of all, there may be some of you here who have no idea who the shepherd is. You have no idea who Jesus is. You have no idea what Christ has come to do. Maybe you come to church because your parents make you. Maybe you come to church um, for any number of reasons. It's a, the good and right thing to do. You come because you'll see people you, you know and like. Maybe it's a business decision. Any number of reasons why people come to church. But you don't know the shepherd. Or worse, if you were to stand before him tonight, he would say, I don't know you. Let me encourage you. The place to hear his voice is in Scripture and with his people. You need to be where his voice is. Is proclaimed. You need to be where you can hear His voice and learn to recognize it and learn to hear it and understand it. Your greatest need isn't elders at Grace Covenant Church. Your greatest need isn't deacons at Grace Covenant Church. Your greatest need isn't not to be sick anymore. Your greatest need isn't to have more stuff. Your greatest need, if you don't know Christ, is to turn in faith to Him for your salvation. Christ says in this passage, I'm the shepherd who cares for His people and I've proven my value and worth as a shepherd by actually becoming the sacrificial lamb who would suffer and bleed and die and pay the debt that your sin demands. Unless you turn in faith to Christ, you should expect at the last day to stand before Him and say, but I did all kinds of great things. And He would say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Respond to the shepherd's voice. Run to him and there find forgiveness. A second application. Some of you perhaps struggle to distinguish the voice of the shepherd from other voices in your life. Some of you hear voices and you're not sure. I don't mean you actually hear voices, but just... Run with the image, please. We can have that conversation another day. You hear there are voices in your life 
And you can't distinguish the voice of the true shepherd, the voice of Christ from the other voices, from the other things being said. Learn to hear the shepherd's voice. That means you need to be committed to being where the shepherd speaks. You need to be you need to be reading his word. You need to know God's Word, because that is where the shepherd speaks to his people. I have a, um, a friend. I, I claim him as a friend. Um, his, his brother was a really good friend of mine in high school. And I knew Rob, and he's a couple of years older than I am. Um, I, I knew Rob, and, and he knew me, and I could, in theory, if I saw him today, he would, he would go, oh yeah, I remember you. So I claim him as a friend because he's an actor out in Hollywood. Um, he's the, the voice of the newscaster in Despicable Me. So that's Rob Hubel. Uh, his brother Scott was one of my best friends in, in, in high school. The problem is he does a lot of these voices and these, these Pixar sort of animated kind of things. And he changes his voice a lot. And so you're, you're going, that's... That sounds like Rob. I think that's Rob. Is that Rob? He's been in the office. He's been in several episodes of other things too. Things you actually have seen. Um, but I have a hard time picking his voice out. It's not like John Ratzenberger, who's in every Pixar movie. He was Cliff Clavin in Cheers, for those of you old enough to remember that. He's literally he's the voice of the underminer. Uh, at the end of, I'm the underminer, nothing. That's him. He's in every single Pixar movie. And anytime you hear it, you're like, there's the voice. There he is. I knew he was going to be here because he's in the big. We need to be able to do that with the voice of Christ. We need to be able to distinguish from the voices around us and go, that doesn't, that's not Jesus. That's not his voice. That doesn't sound like him. Commit yourself to knowing and understanding God's Word that you can recognize the voice of the shepherd. And then finally, the under-shepherds that we would have as our first elders at Grace Covenant need to be men who will grab the hands of the sheep or the hooves of the sheep and take us directly to Jesus. They'll point you to Him every single time. They won't claim honor and glory for themselves. They won't say, look at me because I'm an elder here and you have to. They won't say, look at how great I am. They won't point you to other. They will point you to the Good Shepherd, to the Chief Shepherd. We want men who will grab us by the hand and say, Come. Let's go to the cross together. Let's go to His Word together. Let's go to Christ together. Let me point you to the one true shepherd that we as the flock of Christ have. We pray that Christ would raise up those men in this congregation. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your faithfulness to us. That You would carry out Your mission here on earth as the One who 
in covenant with the Father would come and accomplish our salvation, even to the point of laying down your life and taking it up again so that we might live. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be at work even in this very moment. That those who don't know your voice, who haven't heard your voice, that they would hear it even now. That you would draw them to saving faith in Christ. Uh, point them to their, their sinfulness, their need for a Redeemer, and show them Yourself as the true shepherd, the sacrificial lamb, the one who has come to save us. And would you raise up men to point us to Jesus? Would you be at work in this congregation to raise up men who will take us to the true, the one good shepherd? who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in His name and for His sake. Amen.